The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to The Real Deal, episode one. I have Sid here with me. Uh, we're going to do like a lot of things in this new Managing Madrid podcast. Uh, there's a new show. We have some cool plans for Real Madrid fans and football fans in general. Uh, today is the pilot episode. Sid, that's what it, it's called, right? The first episode. I yep. think the premiere is one word and I, I see all these like TV shows. They call it the pilot. I, I actually don't know why, why do they call it the pilot. I would say this now. is the I would say this is the world premiere of the Real Deal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is the world premiere of the Real Deal pod. Today's episode on the backdrop of a excellent Clásico win. Well, I don't know if we, if we can call the performance excellent, but uh, a Clásico win is always excellent, I guess. Uh, for On the backdrop of an excellent Jude Bellingham brace, we're recording this and talking about uh, why did we actually become Real Madrid fans and quote-unquote dump Barcelona. We're going to discuss all of that and welcome to the Real Deal podcast. Sid, how's your day going in this Sunday morning? I don't know how's it in Chicago and Toronto. It's well, I live in Hamilton now. In Hamilton, it's it's pretty breezy. It's pretty cold. Yeah, it's cloudy. It's Chicago, close to Chicago at least, and um, it's kind of crazy how quickly it gets cloudy. But it is a little sunny too because of the wind yesterday. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, well. I've been like doing a lot of thinking because you and I have like decided this is what we're going to talk about in the first episode of The Real Deal. But, well, by the way, do we call this The Real Deal or The Real Deal or The Real Deal? Like, <laughs> is, is our R-E-A-L, is it like Real Madrid's real or the word real? I, 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 have, I have no idea. It's a little bit of both. The Real Deal and Real Deal both fly, both fly. And, um, I'm I'm just really excited that I became a fan of this club, reached this moment where mm-hmm. we're talking about what's so much fun. I guess like a quick thought off the bat, like why am I a Real Madrid fan? Yesterday, both why I hate being a Real Madrid fan and why I love being <laughs> a Real Madrid fan. I know we talked about the tactics, but just to be brief, like we pretty much had no game plan and our 100 million summer signing bailed us out yesterday. And um I just want to say that those are the moments I became a Real Madrid fan for to see other fan bases losing their minds. I saw a tweet from a Barcelona fan yesterday saying like, I don't even know how to explain Bellingham's start. And I was just cracking up. Um, (laughs) Yeah, of course they can't. Well, can you actually go back to the exact moment or like was, well, probably not a moment, but probably an exact time frame where you thought like, all right, this, this is the team that I'm going to love for the rest of my life. Well, you obviously didn't think it that way, but like when you started following Real Madrid and started to like got a affection for this club. 
Yeah, yeah. I guess um, I, I I will say my Real Madrid love. It's almost two or three parts. Like there were a couple of low moments. We've had our ups and downs, Real Madrid. Mm. But the first high was um, 2012. I was um, I went to school in Singapore, and I don't know something about Barcelona's marketing back then was pretty crazy. And everybody, and their mom, and their dad, and their brother, and their grandpa supported Barcelona. It felt like when I was in Singapore. I went to an Indian international school, and all the kids were about Xavi, Iniesta, Messi. And it was cool, but after a point, I got bored of hearing the word Messi, just to be honest. And it was before I got into soccer. And um, one day we were just talking and I was asking my friends, like, what about Casillas and like Xabi Alonso? Aren't they good too? And um, Sergio Ramos, like World Cup winners. And then I heard about this guy named Cristiano Ronaldo. And at that moment, those four words, like names, Xabi, Ramos, Casillas, Ronaldo, I was kind of hearing them together and realizing they played for the same team for the first time. And I'm like, wait, why does nobody support them? Like, wait, mm-hmm. who's their team? It's like I hadn't heard about them. And I'd heard about United, Chelsea. But there was this one team with four superstars that nobody liked. And um, I met some other Real Madrid fans at the time. And really, the pipeline was like learning about Real Madrid, but also learning about how Barcelona would dive in big games, learning about their big red cards. And at that moment, at the height of the Mourinho-Guardiola rivalry, I came to support Real Madrid as the anti-like, anti, Barcelona is essentially mm. how I came to learn them, like counterattacking football, not diving, not being soft and playing tippy tappy was how we were marketed. <laughs> and, um, I fell in love when I first used Ronaldo and FIFA as well. Um, he was mm. so fast, so good. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, how can my school not recognize this? So that was my beginning. Yeah. And uh, that's that's actually like some of it uh, also like interlaps or like overlaps with mine regarding like school and stuff. But my like introduction to Real Madrid was like even like probably around 2002 because I say this like Bangladesh where I, my country is Bangladesh. Bangladesh is a like a football crazy nation. Uh, There's like uh, more Argentinian and Brazilian flags during the World Cup than probably in Argentina and Brazil. What's the situation in Bangladesh? So, but like we are probably like 200th in the FIFA rankings. <laughs> uh, but what happens is during the World Cup of 2002, the th- 2002 World Cup was uh, significant for all Asian countries because it was the first World Cup in Asia. Uh, it was in Japan and South Korea. And there are like a lot of Bangladeshi immigrants in Japan and South Korea who like go there to work. So Bangladeshi people, they had a, that had this general connection even outside of football with the 2002 World Cup in general. So it was like as frenzied as it is regularly. So who were the like some of the bigger names in this that World Cup? Everyone was talking about Zidane because like he won the previous World Cup and then France crashed out of the group stages. So Zidane, Zidane, Zidane was all over the place. And so we used to like I was I was still in like uh like primary school, uh, I guess. So, uh, but we used to have these general knowledge books that would have like, it was like a little encyclopedia about all things of the world. So it would have everything about sports, uh, politics and whatnot. So in this, I would uh, like go through the sports section, like a newspaper every day for no reason. And I, I would like read the word Real Madrid a lot. Uh, whenever like I'm reading about football records in general knowledge books, I would read the word Real Madrid a lot. And apparently they have won something, uh, well, by that edition of the book, something eight times and nobody else has won that thing more than them. I'm like, okay, I'm like, I st- at that point, I still don't know what club football is. <laughs> How is it different from international football? None of that. But I just see like one name, Real Madrid, and it, apparently they have won more, something more than anyone else and no one is like even close to them. Well, basically Milan was close to them at that time. So then I found out, okay, everyone's talking about Zidane. Where does this guy play? Real Madrid. And then Brazil won the World Cup. And I became an Argentina fan during that World Cup somehow. I I still like... (laughs) Uh, But Brazil won the World Cup. And if you remember, I don't know if you remember or know the story. When like, do you know the story like why Ronaldo had that haircut in the 2002 World Cup? No. 
because I think in one of the games uh, he scored and they were showing Roberto Carlos in the on the screen and one of his kids ran to the TV saying like uh, Papa or Dad he thought like Roberto Carlos is, was his father so he like he grew some hair and like made that triangle so that next time he scored a goal his like kid could recognize okay now that's Dad so because of that reason Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos were also like in the news a lot and okay where does this guy play also Real Madrid all right, fine. A year later, Beckham was also like pretty big in Bangladesh as well, in newspapers and everywhere. Like whenever, whatever United is doing, like Beckham, 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 the, the word spread about him all the way there as well. Okay, where does that guy go? Real Madrid. In the meantime, all like the Ronaldo guy who had uh, a triangle on his hair, where does he go? Real Madrid. Okay, so all of this encapsulated and i just got more interested about this team like like if i open the sports page of a bangladeshi newspaper there's like a bunch of stuff about real madrid now the interesting thing is this is all before social media broke out like i am telling you like even as a kid i could see before social media broke out Madrid rightfully were much like much more discussed much more talked about than barcelona because like who did they have when we had the Galacticos one, right? Well, granted, we were like, they had Ronaldinho and stuff, but uh, when even when we were not winning anything during the Galactico one, Madrid was still in the news a lot because all these all these big names, we are still the club that was most talked about, I think. But as you mentioned, like social media came, social media came at a time that was really bad for Real Madrid and... Uh, it was really good for Barcelona. So I think this is a lucky coincidence that happened for Barcelona when like Facebook really boomed, social media really boomed. They were like winning trebles, hexes. So that that kind of like gave them that launching pad into the younger generations. And they, they got this whole generation of Messi fans and like uh, 2000 Barcelona fans that like started watching football in 2009, etc. But for me, the start with Real Madrid was a... Was, far before uh, and that's it man like I, I just stayed hooked to the club I, I wasn't allowed to watch too many games because like that was that was the family dynamic like no you don't watch a game at 1am 2am when you're yeah. like 10, 12 years old no no you don't get to do that but uh, still like a lot of my following of Real Madrid was through newspapers or like highlights during news packages uh, during the day and stuff like that and uh, once you get uh, hooked to something like that, you stay hooked to that. And like, because like there's a saying, you can change your wife, you can change your religion, you, can, you can't change your football team. So uh, uh, that's that's it. That's how I started, I guess. Yeah, I mean, before we get to my, I had a couple of moments, low moments with Real, but before we get there in 2012, I think what's really funny is even the way some of the players would approach the game was like entirely related to which club they watched and their style. Like mm -hmm. the Chelsea and Real Madrid fans love playing like thugs. I love tackling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We love being physical. We yeah. honestly hated diving and like we honestly felt like a little more. We mm -hmm. definitely towed that line. And then like one of my friends was a Barcelona fan and he would like dribble like a little annoying little guy just dribbling everywhere, snaking around the press. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I remember I went to, I, I played soccer at JSSL Arsenal. It was Arsenal's Youth Academy in Singapore, mm -hmm. you sign up. Um, and the coaches would even come and tell us like, hey, like when you come and receive, like turn, check your shoulder, like Xavi and Iniesta. Mm -hmm. it was, um, there was a time when that was the lo loud meta of um, how to play football. And I definitely bought in to Mourinho's conspiracy theories. And whether those are true or not, I won't comment now. It's more so mm -hmm. in the moment when he came out with his long, um, speech. He had two, I believe, where he just blew up about Barcelona, yeah. UNICEF. I believe those things. There were videos that would circulate back then of mm -hmm. Barcelona's players practicing diving. I don't know if yeah. you ever saw it. Yeah, yeah, Cruyff was like training, diving and, and training, like during the training. Right. And like there were videos of, I'm pretty sure, even Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets. There was like the coach would be like three, two, one, snap his fingers and they would fall. And I was like, <laughs> it was like watching some military. <laughs> <laughs> and as a kid, I think you need that. I think that conflict, it brought, I don't know how many millions of people started following them, but mm. it just completely ballooned the sport. Um, it was very enjoyable. Classicals were very stressful. The first few, I'll never forget. Like, I'm just, even if I'm not watching the game, I'm just stressed to check the score the next morning. Um, mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, it was it was a great time to get start following the sport. Um, if I'm being honest, I still feel nostalgia for that time every now and then. Do you? Yeah, dude. Like in all of my supporting Real Madrid, like slash knowing about Real Madrid, I think that's the time I was stressed out the most, but also kind of enjoyed the most. If I'm like completely honest, because like getting behind that Mourinho team, loving that Mourinho team, wasn't difficult because like what they represented because they represented a rebellious attitude like because nobody was talking about the things that Mourinho you know talked in all of his his long monologues and right now we're seeing like those things actually happened those things he he wasn't like just talking like trash talking those things actually happened those things took place so and uh, i know like barcelona fans love uh, you know playing their victim card every now and then as well but the the sample size is just way too big for them like the sample size is not as big for us probably it's just way too big for them in in big games in even like moments that became future memes like that busquets thing where like mm-hmm. his, his his opening his eyes and uh, especially the four classicos in 2010 11 like four classicos in 18 days man like that was that was box office that was cinema that was football that was everything mm-hmm. and i think w- both teams won one game each yeah and two were draws uh, but those things like elevated us like our fandom to a different level the copa del rey title was when was uh, very significant and me and me and my friend uh, asif who is also my co-editor in in madrid betar Asif and I actually tried to convince people in like high school that the Copa del Rey is bigger than La Liga because Madrid won it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 we had a we had a valid logic because I think the Copa del Rey started before La Liga started and we were like yeah it's like whatever is older is more significant dude the Copa del Rey is definitely bigger. Yeah the La Liga is like the you play more games but uh, it's it's like the World Cup you play only seven games right Copa del Rey you play fewer ga- games but it's much bigger. So these are the things that we we did in school. So I I look back at that time very fondly as i know like the morinho era ended very on a ugly note rather but the first two years i think uh, are very very important were very very important for what present day real madrid uh, stands for or where present day real madrid is yeah 100% um yeah those i know the 4 and 17 days i think when i go back through the referee stuff i guess like a few things to point out where i stand now one I largely agree with Pep that they didn't win trophies because of refs. They won because they were brilliant. I don't deny that. They were geniuses. They were incredible. I have no doubt. And I think I think the problem is people tend to nitpick. Like if you go to Chelsea 2009 or Real or Bayern Real 2017, there were decisions that were wrong against both teams in both mm. times. Um mm. it's the peekaboo that really gets me with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was very disappointed and Danny Alves going off on a stretcher and then coming back in 30 seconds. I'm I'm going to be honest like that was box office mm. in more ways than just like entertainment. That was like mm. Hollywood acting there. Um mm. especially like the stretcher, man. Come on. Like you're why are you getting taken off the pitch in a stretcher if you're going to jog back <laughs> 30 seconds later? And also you remember uh in the Champions League second leg, I think Higuain scored but Ronaldo tripped and fell and while he was rolling, he hit uh was it Mascherano no it couldn't be Mascherano Mascherano yeah it was Mascherano probably Mascherano was at Barca at that time or whoever it was like someone tripped and fell and the referee blew the whistle and the goal was disallowed and i think Madrid was like going 1-0 up pretty early in the second leg of the Champions League game in the in the 4 and 17 days like decisions like those decisions like when Barcelona came back 6-1 against PSG uh and decisions like the handballs against Chelsea like though like these are things i mean how do you deny these these things you you can't right so uh, that that was that but uh, rather than like talking much about Chelsea how we were wronged in that particular time frame that was really emotional because i was i was still i haven't reached the level of fandom that i am at today at that time i was still knowing about the club every day i was still finding more stuff and i wasn't able to watch every second of every game like i can do right now so at that time 
uh, when you wake up and in the morning and see on the news that your team lost 3-1 and then you go highlights and you see this like all these things happen that took a toll that took an emotional toll so yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I say this like whatever Real Madrid fans went through right now like the we how we have made a Sunday league out of Champions League after like 2014 we deserve it dude like we 100% deserve it Agreed, agreed. Um, for what it's worth, I did get to miss most of the heartbreak. Like, I was adjacent, but my first, like, real season following it was actually 12-13, Mourinho's mm. last. Um, and I actually started following it right when the 2-2 draw happened in the Clasico. So, like, after we dropped, like, eight points to start the season. And mm. um, so I saw a team that was, like, kind of struggling, and they stabilized. The Dortmund defeat was very shocking because, um, you know, I guess like if you if you consider that was my first season, I've seen a Champions League almost every season I've been a fan. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was one of the only seasons for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was it was genius because I kept reading about how we had nine European Cups and um, I got a Real Madrid jersey to start the following season. Um, the 12-13, the, the end of that summer, the offseason was beautiful. Bill, Isco mm. coming in. Um, who else did we bring in that offseason? Uh, Isco came in. Higuain uh, left. Higuain left. Uh, who else did? Iaramendi, Carvajal. Yes, Carvajal. And, uh, yeah, Khedira was already there. Who am I? Who else? I think uh, Jesse got promoted full-time to the first mm-hmm. team. Morata came back. Yep, yep. Oh, Morata got promoted rather, not did come back. Yep, uh, and I... Yeah. That was a good team, and Bale was just so exciting. I remember, um, like... I was just I would constantly go to my Barcelona fan friends and be like, "Hey, we get the fast Welshman." And um, mm. obviously, they signed Neymar that summer. Mm. And I actually thought we were gonna get Suarez too, if you remember. They were yeah, him. yeah. I think we would have gotten him if he didn't bite Chiellini, wasn't it? Like I really? think that's where yeah, I think that's where Madrid backed off. I, I can pretty much remember Madrid were all over him, like, "Yeah, we gotta get this guy." And then he like bit. Chiellini. I might be like messing around with timelines here, but I'm pretty sure that played a part because, well, now in hindsight, if you think about it, Florentino would be steering 500 kilometers clear of a guy who would be like bite off arms and shoulders of the colleagues. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, well, that's, that's, I think, a what if that deserves one of its own episodes. Like, what if we got Suarez after Iguain left? Uh, yeah, we probably win, win more stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think during that time, Real Madrid were very much interested. Do you remember that Madrid were very close to signing Arturo Vidal? <laughs> I actually don't, really. <laughs> yeah, so this was, I think this was the, the Benitez season after Carlo left. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, this was after the season. Uh, Vidal uh, won the golden boot in Serie A, I think. He, I think he won the golden boot in Serie A or like clo- was close to winning one. And after and during that time, he wasn't like a pivot, he used to play as a number 10, yeah, yeah, box number 10 and like our attacking eight, more like a Fede role. So, and Madrid were really close to signing Arturo Vidal. I, I, I'm so glad that that transfer didn't happen. Byron got him that year, and he was pretty good. Um, yeah, he was pretty good at Byron. Where did he? Did he go to? Uh, so he from Byron, he went to Barcelona, and then yep. to Inter, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, he did win another Serie A at Inter too. That's funny. Yeah, he's yeah. probably one of the only players who has like lost so many games against Madrid with so many teams. Like uh, he lost against Madrid as a Juventus player in 2013-14. Where he like kicked the grass and f- tripped off and then demanded a penalty for some reason. Then he lost against Madrid when he played for Bayern, obviously for Barca. He got a red card against Madrid, uh, playing for Inter. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that guy's that guy's funny. Yeah, the only time he won is when he played for Barca against the Santiago Solari teams. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. True, and he he scored too, I guess, and against Solari's team. He was good for Barcelona, I will say. Um, and, you know, I think for us, obviously, the reason we didn't get him was because we had Casemiro and we decided to run with him instead. And I guess that brings me to um, my first low moment, Real Madrid. I guess I start following the club 12-13, not the best season. 13-14, we um, win the Champions League. And 
I'll never forget. I didn't watch the Bayern game before nil, but I woke up in the morning after and I'm like, I knew we'd win. I had a good feeling we could win in Munich, but 4-0, I'm like, yes, we finally bulldozed Guardiola. Let's go, baby. And it's a good feeling, especially against Guardiola, who's just like, strikes fear into all our hearts for various reasons. And um, that was a great win. And pretty much, I like, actually, when we went on that 22-game winning streak, that was my last year in Singapore, my last six months. And um, the start of the next season was beautiful. I left Singapore um january i'm in new jersey the first game i watch is the valencia loss and the next ah. six months the next six months i'm sure you can imagine was hell yeah. like january 2015 to june it was watching barcelona just one up us in every possible way um barcelona playing who they needed to rotating playing the right pieces real madrid just completely exhausted because we didn't rotate earlier in the season luka Modric getting hurt and um i guess when we the first six months of the following season were also a disaster. It was just depressing with Benitez. Yeah. And um, I remember around when Benitez got sacked, I was seriously debating, like, do I really love this club? Because um, I was just wondering, like, why do we have Casemiro and go play James and lose 4-0? Like, I don't want to watch <laughs> And I was looking at Atleti and I was looking at other teams. I'm like, these teams, like, at least they, like, try. And then Zidane came in and um, he made me fall in love with the team for real, for real, um, with the way he... Immediately played Casemiro, um, and then it was a more defensive team at points. But the way he got Ronaldo tracking back, that was another problem I had. The way other teams could supposedly have all their attackers work hard, but under Benitez, like every game I would read match reports and other um, reporters would be like, Real Madrid don't track back, Real Madrid don't track back, their forwards don't track back. And once Zidane came in, I think the memory that really got me to buy in was we beat them 2-1 in that first Clasico. Hmm. Uh, one of the best teams ever at that moment in time probably mm. like i would argue going into that game they were pretty much the best team ever or considered the best team ever they were unbeatable on course for their second treble in back-to-back -back years and um i just remember ronaldo swapped wings with bale and tracked jordi alba all the way into his own half <laughs> and cleared a ball and i'm like zizu like i love you man like i love you like that was unbelievable because jordi alba was making his trademark byline run and ronaldo mm. was sprinting with him and i'm like and that was old. I knew Ronaldo wouldn't do that forever, that he was starting to get old. Mm. Um, but that was Zidane really got me falling in love with the club again. There's been nothing like that Zidane era. It was a lot like Guardiola's Barcelona era, I would say. Not as tactically perfect, but like every game was a movie and you just knew we were going to come out with something. Yeah. Uh, being the shameless, biased, irrational Zidane fan that I am, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about Zidane in, in this podcast. But going back to, uh, before going back to my lowest moment, it's probably one of like an unusual one. But I blame you, uh, Sid, for Madrid's troubles in 2014-15. You left Singapore and good luck left Madrid. You should have stayed in Singapore for the rest of the season. Carlo would never get sacked. We will probably win the treble that season. And uh, then Carlo will coach us for another season. Then Zidane comes in and does, does what he what he does but so i i put the full blame on you uh my lowest point is a, a bit of an unusual one it's not one of the famous ones obviously like honorable mentions to ramos crying with casillas after like going 2-0 up against dortmund and then seven bender wasting the all the time in stoppage time jürgen klopp laughing in the sidelines uh and uh Madrid going out, missing out on the league in 13-14. That was a big one. Losing the uh, losing the Copa del Rey final against Atletico at home uh, in the last game Mourinho managed. Uh, in, in one of the, uh, the last final that Mourinho managed. That was pretty sad. Uh, the 2021, uh, sorry, 2021, the COVID season where we played in Valdebebas. The 63 injury season was uh, is a very emotional one for me as well. But I'm going to name... My lowest point as a Real Madrid fan, the 4-0 loss against Liverpool. Because at one point I got desensitized to get trashing, like getting trashed against Barcelona. Like we have gotten trashed so many times I got desensitized to it. But if I look back, like now retrospectively look, I think the 4-0 against Liverpool was so low for me because... At that time, Liverpool wasn't like really ruling the Premier League or even as good as they are in in pre the current day and age. Because at that time, it was all about uh, Chelsea and Manchester United. Liverpool was just then and about 
top four. It was a it was one of the OG top four clubs of PL, and that that was it. I think during that time, and suddenly, for me, it was a lot to take that you lose four nil against that team because at the time we had like an awful team. We had a double pivot of I think Lasana, Diara, and Fernando Gago in that game, but still for me, because all the things that have been growing up and reading about Real Madrid, that this is the competition, no one can touch Real Madrid. Uh, I was still not like, uh, uh, it didn't make sense to me. Like, how do you lose to Liverpool 4-0? It, like, it wasn't important to me that that Liverpool team was much better than the Madrid team and they can, uh, you know, beat us 4-0. It was just like, you can't lose to Liverpool 4-0. So at, at that time, I think it was really emotional. And when we, like, then we have like beaten the shit out of Liverpool in in every aspect of the game, everywhere. I think we won two Champions League finals. We have won 5-2 at Anfield. Uh, we won a really good game, 3-1 in 14-15 as well, uh, in Ancelotti's second season in his first stint. But uh, I still, like, at that time, it was really hard to take. The closest to this would be the 6-2 against Barca because that was also a time, like, I just couldn't, like, you're Real Madrid, you're not, allowed to lose concede six goals against any team that was my mentality at that time about my club so uh, as a as a kid uh, I was I was just devastated what are your best moments Sid if you have to like rank top three from three to one uh, what would you say like your best moments um, yeah let's see best moments um, I guess I just want to make sure I confirm my worst moment I would say is the 4-0 November 2015 it's like the equivalent uh, of the 6-2 for you, but like mm-hmm. when I started a little bit mm-hmm. later. And um, man, I, I just want to say that get, that day, I turned it off at 2-0 and I was like, I just played video games and it was just depressing, man. Like It was one day after my birthday. Oh. <laughs> man. But, 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 but um, I'm going to say this. Ronaldo made amends for this a couple of years later. Uh, so my birthday is on November 20th. Madrid lost against Barca 4-0 November 21st. And in 2016, on November 19th, like after midnight, Madrid thrashed Atletico 3-0 and Ronaldo yeah. scored a hat-trick. And I'm like, okay, yeah, gift. I, I got my gift for this year. <laughs> I remember that game vividly. Bale put that cross in, driving yeah. from the wing to Ronaldo. Yeah. That was a yeah. smooth win. Um, yeah. I thought we would win the treble that year. And um, yeah, I'd say the 4-0 was the lowest. The highest was honestly like every moment in the years after that, like immediately. I would say number one, okay, number one is 21-22. Actually, I take it on 22. Okay. Because um, I like, you know, I have a friend, a couple of cross country friends at UCLA who were um, essentially watching the games with me and they weren't there for every leg of every tie, but we would da- be down every tie. And one of my friends would come over, his name's Munir, and we'd just sit down and be like, let's will this back. And like, we like do a little breath work and like just send our energy at Real Madrid. And like, I don't think we influenced the result, but it was just like, we'd sit and do that. And then Benzema put a hat trick in against PSG. (laughs) Like literally he sat down after halftime and we're down one nil. And then he's like, all right, baby, this is going to happen. Like right when he sat down, 20 minutes after he sat down, that happened. Um, And then we saw the Chelsea tie. He wasn't there as much. He just was there for the beginning of the first leg when he saw the 2-0 and we were like, whoa. Um, Man City, he sat down and we watched the entire second half together and we were dead silent. And um, I'll never forget that Man City second leg. It's I think the Man City second leg, those last 10 minutes is the peak. Even the Liverpool final, like it wasn't e- nearly as scary. I, mm. Like nice try Liverpool, but once you played Henderson, I knew it was game over. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as Captain Henderson got onto the pitch, we knew it was yeah. over. <laughs> um, but um, City, man, there was like, because they just bullied us from minute yeah. like, 55 to 75. Yeah. And we didn't get on the ball. And then even when we started getting on it, Grealish went and almost scored twice. And yeah. I'm just like, Mendy got the, even when Mendy did the goal line clearance, my friend and I are like, come on guys, like what's going on? <laughs> but at that point I was like almost bracing that we'd lose. I was just, just about bracing subconsciously thinking, okay, it's over. And then Rodrigo happened and I was just cracking up. But I would say um, that 21-22 is number one. And number two is, or three, you can pick your poison, but probably 2016 final was great. 2017 final, or just that 2017 run. Um, those years were magical. Because, yeah, I come into New Jersey, new school, don't know anybody. Team is losing. It's a pretty trash start to the first year. And then every year in high school, I get more comfortable, and Real Madrid wins another Champions League. So. 
Uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a Bayern fan in high school, and like in that 16, 17 season, he was talking all the trash because Bayern was probably our big key rival those few years. Um, and I would say an underrated moment was when Atleti dumped out Barca and Bayern were two of the most happy moments because I knew that we matched up in a way where we could beat Atleti. And um, I'd say just that turnaround from 2014-15, that late 15-16 turnaround in 16-17 would be somewhere in two and three. Do you realize how freaking crazy this is? Like, if we are to pick our top three moments of supporting this club, we can't even fit all the Champions League titles that we have seen the club win, like, in the last few years. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, like, 92-48 is not on my list. <laughs> so, but I'll, I'll actually start with that. Uh, I'll start from 1-3. to 92-48 uh, would be my start like one because it's kind of self-explanatory but some some side notes like i was at university at that time i would i would watch these games in the university hall and uh even that season like we lost two terrible classicos one four three at the Bernabeu and one two one the sanchez goal uh in camp now and like all the barcelona fans who were like just sitting beside me they were like all around us they were just getting ready to celebrate and then to dunk on them and they they can't leave at that point right because they have committed to like hating real madrid to the point like they would watch the uh, champions league final with real madrid fans just to like bully the real madrid fans but uh then to dunk on them like that in in the 92nd in the 93rd minute that was beautiful and I've, I've like said this story uh, in front of a lot of people and in, in Bengali podcasts as well that like I was I already like walked to the door like because there's going to be a big crowd when the game ends and it's going to take me a lot while to get out of the student hall. So I was standing near the door just keeping an eye on the score. And then when he scored, I rushed back. There was a chair that I tripped over and hurt my knee and it was 100 percent worth it uh that that's the only game that has like physically harmed me so i i put that at number one number two would be uh 2017 final because i don't think i have ever seen real madrid play that well as well as that second half and till date not before that not after that i don't think i've seen real madrid play that well because real madrid's floor as a team is obviously uh it can be low depending on who's the manager, but depending on who's the manager, it can be pretty high as well as other teams. But Real Madrid's ceiling is probably not, in terms of how great we are playing, it's probably not as high as some of the other contemporary teams that play with Real Madrid. But in that moment, in that game, I think Madrid's ceiling reached a level that I have seen no team reach before or since then. Because there is... Like, yeah, we support the club that has the most Champions League titles, more La Liga titles. But to know that no team can beat my team right now, it doesn't matter if you, like, uh, form the Avengers. Ronaldo will probably score another goal even if you form the Avengers. So I have very rarely gotten those kind of feelings while supporting Real Madrid all these years, despite we have won so so much. But in the 2017 final, that that feeling of invincibility... I really enjoyed that. And that's also the year that I like left Bangladesh uh, soon after actually that final. So uh, I have kind of some emotional attachment to that as well. The uh, My third would probably be the Kalma Kalma in 2012. That was also on a, the moment like, okay, this team is not, not losing the game. I think Mourinho told Aitor Karanka before that game that uh, if we can somehow like, I think he scored at halftime. It was were Barcelona one one at halftime or later? Uh, I think Mourinho told something to Karanka in the lines that if we score twice or like if we score again, like we're winning the league. And the moment Ronaldo scored, he just like looked at Karanka and smiled that okay, it's done. We've won the league. It was the seventieth minute when at seventieth minute. So okay, he he probably said something like at halftime, like if we score again or something like that. If we score two goals, they can't come back enough, something like that. But yeah, uh, I'm looking at the minutes. Seventieth minute, Sanchez equalizes. Three minutes later, Ronaldo seals it. That's yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and 
I kind of miss that directness, to be honest, because Mourinho was, at times he was like brutally defensive, but his directness was, is probably still unprecedented, excuse me, because you see how like Ozil played Ronaldo in and like he scored one touch. Ronaldo has at least two or three goals, like the exact same goal, Ozil assessed Ronaldo goal against Barcelona during that Mourinho time. So it was a plan. It it was always good to see a good plan getting executed. And these guys were perfectionists at what they did. And they used to execute these things like to the dot. Best um, counterattack ever for sure, 2012. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you that 2017 and 12, I'd say those are the two teams that are widely debated among Madrid fans as the best ever. 2014 usually comes third because we didn't win the league and we had injuries. Um, yeah, I agree. Those are my two favorite teams. And 2012, like we lost to Bayern in the end. We didn't dominate the tie. I think that 2017 team probably destroys Bayern in that semifinal just with the ball. Like we're not going to yeah. give away the ball. Um, and I agree. 2017, I think, has a good argument for best team ever in that they were able to control the ball like a lot of these positional teams, mm. but they were so spontaneous. And it's still the only team that has scored in every single game for the entire yeah. season. <laughs> they, you couldn't keep a clean sheet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely not. Sid, before we close out episode one of The Real Deal, do you have any words for the podcast, what we are planning to do for the fans, what our vision is going to be going forward? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, there's um, a lot of, like, for years, you and I have been talking about data visuals and stuff. I figured we could briefly tell the audience how we started and then mm -hmm. um, touch on this. I guess, um, like, when I became a Mourinho fan, yeah, like, to see the team lose again and again, I think you get exposed to the rivalry. And mm -hmm. I think Real and Barca fans are quite aware of how tactics work as a result mm -hmm. because um, we've seen our team get thumped and we kind of get confused as to what's going on. And mm -hmm. I um, I really became a fan through FIFA and I started like working on tactics, counterattacking strategies, and I learned about shapes. Mm -hmm. And when I pretty much came to New Jersey, I started writing on my own website, which is not an up anymore, called tacticalfouling.com. My first big piece was in 2017, at the end of the 16-17 season. I wrote a lot of match reports, but mm -hmm. at the end of that season, I wrote a piece called Real Madrid and the strangest season in football history, because it was really weird. We had to actually come back in like also 60% of the La Liga games that season in the last 10 minutes. We picked up so many points. Um, like every match day, it felt like I would be looking at the score, looking at the score and waiting for that late Marcelo dribble or that Isco finish. <laughs> and it always came. It always came. So... That was my first season and I got into analytics back then. And then over the years, it was really a hobby for me. Um, when I w went to college after Ronaldo left, actually, um, that's another reason 21-22 so special. I kind of took a hiatus when I went to college, still wrote, but my focus started getting more professional. I had some health issues and started diving more into health and other subjects, physics. So really I've been trying to get back. I've only been podcasting the last few years and I was actually on the verge of stopping at the start of the 21-22 season. I think that's mm -hmm. why that season's so special to me. I just, the cascading of health issues that I experienced mm -hmm. meant that I was starting to lose interest in doing things just in general. Mm -hmm. And um, Kian invited me out to the live pod in LA and 21-22. Mm -hmm. I remember I went there and I was just really in, enjoyed how much the audience was passionate. And I was just mm -hmm. telling people, we're not gonna get pressing. Little did I imagine we'd win the Champions League that season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no clue we would. And um, mm -hmm. pretty much, that season got me back in. I remember I went on with Jose and Kian for a couple of pods. And I at like before the Man City second leg, I went and said, let's speak this into existence. That was my whole view. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, I didn't feel that way last year. But that season re reignited a spark for me. And um, I'm just excited to finally like put it all together. I've been there were many articles I wrote in 2018, 19, using the style of visuals Mehedi mm -hmm. put out now. And a lot of my... Um, mm -hmm. I just don't know anyone who does it anymore. And now that you're here, we can team up again. And there's so much dissection we can do in ways I don't see online. So I'm just excited to bring that to fans. Um, and I'm excited to talk about just more psychology and things outside the box because um, I've talked to a lot of people in various professional sports. And, you know, I just love Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid is a unique brand in sports. So this is more than just about the week to week. I would love to talk about bigger picture things. Yes, exactly. And we're really glad that uh, you are you didn't leave podcasting uh, altogether. You're back. You're here. Without you, this would not be possible. And uh, for me, it's like, well, I started, I tried 
to do some football writing when I came to Canada in 2017. I started out with some uh, fan posts for Managing Madrid, actually, and uh, uh, then reached a point where I would pitch articles to Kian. And based on uh, his feedback approval, they, they would uh, be published on the website. Uh, then I got a like then a writing slot opened at MM as well. Uh, then I was very pleased and honored to join that as well. But the visual things is, you see, I would see this Manchester United accounts publish awesome visuals. Barcelona fans do great work on Twitter. And I'm like, okay, it's like they're doing great work for their club. They're doing great work for Real Madrid. They're like they're doing great work for football, but... Uh, where's the Real Madrid account that puts out this content? At that time, I was still not thinking like that I have to make this or like I want to make this. At that time, I was like, okay, like United Arena has all these cool visits. Where's Madrid Arena? <laughs> Where is Real Madrid Arena? Is there an account like that that puts out visuals like this? And I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll show you, show something on, on the uh, screen. But before that, I would actually, the first time I found out that who scored has points that you can go on the website and the chalkboard and you can see where uh, the passes of a game originated from. I got fascinated. I'm like, oh, okay, this, you, you can see this. The first time I saw Understat, like you can see shots with XG. I'm like, oh, you, you can see this. And I was happy with that. Like just as like an observer and as a learner that I can, if I am to write a long form piece, I can use resources like this. Then I got in touch with uh, my good friend, Charlie Tooley, whose handle on Twitter is Analytics La Liga. Great guy, uh, a Real Madrid fan. He, I actually reached out to him. I think I uh, saw one of his pieces on Twitter and just wanted to ask, like, where did he get the data from? What's the process? And being the great guy he is, he actually gave me uh, an idea where I can get started. And from that idea, I started to watch the great tutorials of McKay Johns. Go check his account out. He's he's the GOAT on football Twitter. Like a lot of us in terms of visuals, whatever we do, like it all started from McKay. So big shout out to McKay. And after like talking to Charlie and watching some tutorials from McKay, this is the first visual I put out on Twitter. It was sometime in 2021, I guess. And so from this to this, uh, the journey was beautiful because this is, this is something I really like doing because one thing I say in Bengali a lot and some, sometimes in English is a lot that nobody wants to talk about Real Madrid except Real Madrid fans. So as much as it, it's, it's true that we're the biggest club in the world, we generate the most revenue, we're the most successful of all time. People don't, in general, there is there is this weird jealousy, envy. I don't know what this is about Real Madrid, but I, I always feel like this, that people don't... The neutral fan doesn't like Real Madrid. The neutral fan is not a fan, is not going to be more inclined to Real Madrid if there is a El Clasico going. He's probably going to support Barcelona because of Messi, that PR and everything. So if Real Madrid fans don't talk about Real Madrid, for me, no one else will. So from that point of view, I said, okay, let's let's start making things for Madrid. And I like throughout this time, I actually learned a lot about programming, uh, a lot about data analysis. And uh, it actually, even the work that I did on Twitter, it even helped me to the day job I do right now, uh, like uh, to get that job. So all in all, it's it's been a beautiful journey and I am ready to contribute even more uh, to the Real Madrid fans uh, to bring you more exciting stuff, more analysis, more technical things. And uh, you're going to get all of that on Real Deal with oh, Vincent. Yeah. Um, I guess a couple more cool additions. Yes. Yeah. Regarding what you're talking about, there was a time when I think Managing Madrid does a better job than most um, like team-focused things as far as just putting Absolutely. out an... 100%. 100%. Uh, right. It's so good. And I'm so happy that Kian's been able to like create this brand, monetize it successfully, and work on it all the time. It's um, so credible as a energy and i've been learning i've been starting to realize a few things i guess first 
21-22 was that season that I think got other people talking more about Real Madrid. Mm. I mm. feel like Ronaldo, people talked about Real Madrid because of Ronaldo, almost mm. by force at a point. Mm. But 21-22, it's like, hey, look at their young guys. Look at Eduardo and look at their old guys. And there are guys, Cruz and Modric. Um, so I thought that was really fun, the way um, everyone took notice of the team. And then as far as stats and data goes, I um, really shout out to StatsBomb because when I read James York at the end of the 2015-16 season, um, mm -hmm. James has been very helpful. I've written analytics pieces, asked him for advice on it. He's always been a stand-up guy. And James wrote at the end of the 2015-16 season, like, so Real, like two Champions Leagues in three years, like one of the best offenses ever, but why don't they get credit is what he was writing. Because we, I remember at the end of that season, it was almost like, oh, Real like aren't good, even though they won the Champions League. And I'm like, no, we had a trash coach and then we figured it out and we were pretty much as good as anyone once we had Zidane. And um, I've always took offense and James said like, look, all their metrics are some of the best ever. And, you know, 50 years down the lane, they'll get credit, but it's kind of weird now. And um, I got put on James and then, uh, I wrote a piece for Statsbomb in 2020 during the pandemic. That was really fun for me because it was called Zidane's Evolution, how he evolved as a coach. And at the end, I said, we're going to sign Kamavinga and Mbappe. So it's kind of gone. I don't know how that's gone so far, but it was a little prescient, let's just say. I was hoping it would have been completely true by now. But unfortunately, Qatar had other plans. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I agree that like I think there was a time when also Jose, Om, Ian and I were writing a lot more when we were at our peak of activity together, all of us at the same time. And there was this running joke that like some of the best tactics accounts are somehow Real Madrid fans. I'm like, why is that weird? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're going to close out the first episode of The Real Deal here. Uh, you can check all the work that we're doing in long form, short form, videos uh in our visuals at real deal pods uh, on twitter on tiktok on instagram and on youtube go check us out go check managing madrid out as well because we are basically a part of managing madrid this show uh our audio version will go live on managing madrid's uh, spotify stream or wherever you find the free version the video will go up on youtube you'll keep going up on youtube as regular said thanks so much for joining today we'll be back with more analysis more real talk uh, until then take care sports social podcast network step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply